Good afternoon, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, your Monday afternoon show about jazz drummer Paul Modian, music he created, music he inspired, and music he was inspired by. Um, before I start the show, I want to thank my partner, the, Cam the Camden Conference, and also the Dowling Walsh Gallery. And the Dowling Walsh Gallery is right on Main Street in Rockland, and it is open um, Tuesday through Sunday from 10 to 4. So stop by to see different artists' work. Um, and um, today's show is going to be a talk with Steve Cardenas, and I'm going to play from his new album, which is called Charlie and Paul, and it's all music written by Charlie Hayden and Paul Modian, two musicians who Steve played with quite a bit and was very inspired by. Um, Steve also helped me put together Paul Modian's songbooks, and so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. And I'm going to start off the show with a cut from Steve's album, Melody in a Dream, which came out in 2013. And this is with Thomas Morgan, Joey Barron, and Shane Ensley. Um, actually, Shane is not on the cut I'm going to play. Um, and I'm going to start out the show with Once Around the Park, a Palmodian tune, and then um, while that's playing, I'm going to call Steve up on the phone and hopefully we'll get it all together in five minutes. Thank you. 
Okay, that was um, Steve Cardenas's version of Once Around the Park. Um, Paul Modian's album, I mean, Paul Modian's tune from his Steve's album, Melody in a Dream. And I think I have Steve on the line. Are you there, Steve? I'm here. Okay, good. That sounds good. Um, and so um, I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. I, I keep, I don't know, I, I keep thinking that I've had you on the show before just because we've talked so much, but I, I never know. have. So. <laughs> I know. I'm excited too. Oh, good. Good. So um, do you want to say anything about your version of Once Around the Park, which is very different than uh, anything Paul recorded, I think? Yeah. Um, you know, there, um, when we recorded that, I, I didn't really... I wasn't like I was intentionally trying to do something different from Paul. I just kind of had it in mind to have Thomas play the melody first. Uh, he plays so... I mean, obviously so great, but he also plays so well in tune <laughs> that uh, that he just when he, whenever he plays melodies, it just sounds amazing. So, and I and I also wanted that piece to be um, have a and kind of just like a little statement, like we each take a couple of choruses and hand it off to each other, which was kind of really the the overall concept of the record was to have it be conversational and, uh -huh. and, and a bit more intimate as a result. You know. And um, we didn't really talk about, um, I didn't really introduce you or anything. So some of our listeners um, might not be familiar um, with your music locally. And so um, you're a guitarist and you play, have played the guitar for probably most of your life, right? Yeah, since I was 14. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's like about 10 years ago. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, many, several decades. <laughs> yeah, and you grew up yeah. in Kansas City. and I, um, I grew up in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, and um, I moved from Kansas City, actually, it was 30 years ago um, in July. And I went to California first, to the Bay Area, lived there for about four years. Uh -huh. And then I lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years, and then I moved to New York in 1995. Yeah, and so what year was it that you um, joined the Electric Bebop Band, Paul that was, Yeah, that was 1997. So yeah. the, the first playing I did with that band was a fall tour. It was like late October, I think it started. Yeah. Yeah, and you toured quite a bit with the band and um, did several yeah. recordings um, right. with them, right? And, yes. Yeah. The band had been together already, I think, for about five years. And, you know, depending on who, you know, with, with that group, there was, a, there was a lot of people. There were six people in the band. And it didn't always work out that when Paul had a block of time for a tour that there might be someone who couldn't do it because of a previous commitment. So that's why there was a rotation of personnel. It wasn't like anybody ever got fired. It was really just more about whoever was available kind of had the gig. <laughs> and Chris Cheek and I were very much aware of that, and we did, just did our best to just juggle our schedules <laughs> to try to always make everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I was um, last week. I read a, a review um, of the album Europe that was, um, I think it was Jazzwise magazine, and uh -huh. 
And they pointed out that the electric bebop band, um, you know, Paul Modian was the only original member still in it. <laughs> yeah, right. And, That's true. But, but that it still had its own distinctive sound, even though the players were rotating out in and out and changing all the time, which is uh, pretty... Uh, I think that's pretty hard to do. I guess, uh, yeah, I think Paul had a pretty strong well, leader yeah. role in it, that he could do that. And, uh, he had a yeah. strong leader role, and, you know, just the way he played really defined the sound of the band. It's, yeah. You know, his, his, he, uh, you know, what more can you say, you know? His, his, he's one of those musicians that's instantly recognizable. You, you hear a cymbal, you hear a certain just, texture and you know it's him and so i think and then i think the instrumentation stayed the same until it like mid-2000s when it sort of became a different band but but and then you know what's even remarkable about what you just said is is that when i first joined the group a lot of the repertoire was was i would say still mostly bebop so there was a lot of monk there's charlie parker bud powell and just maybe one or two of Paul's tunes, but they really, he was, he had kind of made a point with that band to play the bebop and some standards repertoire. And so when Europe came out, that's when he started introducing more of his tunes. And for what, he, he never really said, but maybe he was just feeling like hearing them in a different context would be kind of my take I guess and um and also sort of evolving that band um mm -hmm. I think he started out I know in, in his writings that he wanted to purposefully introduce the bebop tunes to sort of the younger generation of jazz musicians um of almost right. almost all of the members were quite a bit younger than Paul um right, couple right. a couple weren't but most of you were uh -huh. Um, yeah. And I think that, yeah, that was his intention, but it evolved into him writing yeah. tunes for that band, and, yeah. Yeah, I think I read it. I remember reading an interview, even before I joined the band, and when Paul kind of started the band, and, you know, you, you know <laughs> Paul, he could, he could say some pretty funny stuff. But um, he, I think he said, yeah, I wanted to start a band, you know, I wanted to play all bebop, I wanted to do it with electric guitars and electric bass because I wanted, I wanted to destroy bebop, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when Paul destroys something, it still comes out amazingly beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he had a, a different definition of destroy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I have um, I have a couple of things queued up. Um, I have Morpian from Holiday for Strings, and I also have Tangram from um, the Charlie and Paul, your new album. Um, got any preference on what we should play next? Um, play Morpian. <laughs> okay, so uh, this yeah. is the album Holiday for Strings, which came out just before or after Europe. I think it was... That was it was a year after. It was a year after. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is Paul's tune, Morpian. So stay tuned, and, um, and Steve and I will be back after the song.
Okay, that was um, Morpian from Holiday for Strings. And uh, Steve, do you want to say a couple of words about that? About Morpian, um, that record, um, we had we had recorded that record at the end of the. That was a tour in the in no like late fall of two thousand one. And um, so we we did that at the end of the tour, and we had we had played a lot of the music on that tour that we thought we were going to record, and we actually did. We probably recorded almost a whole other album's worth of music. <laughs> and um, because we had a couple of well, we had a couple of days slotted, but it, but at any rate, so we started recording, and a lot of them were covers. There were some Herbie Nichols tunes and some Mingus and you know things like that, and. And we got about, let's say, just you know, several hours into the recording session, and Paul, um, he 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 stopped in the middle of one of the tunes, and he said, "Hey, you know, these I'm not because ha- you know when we were on the road, he wasn't using his own drums and his own cymbals. He just says, I'm not really happy with these drums and these cymbals. I don't think they sound good with the music that we're playing. So pull out." He goes, I think my my tunes will will sound better with this setup. And we and so we started just calling tunes of his that we had in the book but we had maybe played once or twice. And um some of them we had been playing on the road, but at any rate, um Morpian I think we had been playing that one. But there's tunes on Holiday for Strings like Endgame, I think we had only read through that once. Arabesque, I think we played maybe a couple of times. But so actually, I mean, we just you know did a we took a left in the middle of the recording session and recorded basically the whole album <laughs> of Holiday for Strings, second half of the session, and and I think it, it was I mean I gotta say I feel like Paul's instincts were very right on that. It just I remember even when we were starting to record those tunes how much better it felt uh-huh. and um yeah so that that was an interesting thing to experience you know somebody just really like saying not nah, we got to do we got not do this we got to do this <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah that kind of it now that brings me around to the cd that i found of a live recording so um of the electric bebop band in spring of 2002 uh-huh. and and it said and it it was tucked into a plastic sleeve in the back of one of Paul's copies of Holiday for Strings so uh-huh. i'm assuming that maybe uh Stefan Winter put it there i don't know i mean it's actually like you know embedded in the case so um yeah. so yeah maybe you can you know, remember when it was done? It's with so it's with you and Jakob Bro on guitars. Right. Um, the only thing I mean, I yeah. could I, all I can do is speculate, but here's here's a pretty good speculation. Um, with that tour, the first concert we did was in Vicenza, Italy, and it was a special concert that um, the um, I don't know if it was the there's I can't remember if. He was either promoter or a, a music uh, arranger 
that was connected with that promoter, an Italian music arranger, that wanted to replicate the Monk at Town Hall concert with the Electric Bebop band being kind of the core group. And then he added, like, other instruments to fill out, because it was a big band. It was Monk, you know, Thelonious Monk Orchestra at Town Hall. So he, I can't remember how many more instruments, because we were already six, so I, he might have added four or five other instruments. Um, but, but would the songs be... They're all, I mean, if it's that are, concert, it's yeah. going to be the tunes that were recorded at Town, and they're all Monk's tunes. Oh, yeah, no. And, and he... And he did it in order, uh-huh. um, like the same yeah. order. It was kind of like this kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now this starts out with your tune, Roundup, and um, oh wow, okay. Well then, it, then, it, then I'm completely off. <laughs> yeah. So and then it, it um, and that you do play a bunch of Monk, Gallops, Gallop, Brilliant Corners, and oh, okay. Oscar T. Wow. And then it ends with a short drum music. Um, and Holiday so for Strings is on there, and oh, Arabesque, okay. to the Black Wall. Oh, okay. It never well, entered that, that my just, mind. That just sounds to me like that it was just a maybe one, one of our gigs that was recorded off the board. Yeah. You know, and maybe he just tucked, Paul just tucked it in somewhere that he knew it would be safe. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I think that, I think, yeah, I think it is one of yeah. those. It doesn't, usually he makes a note in his book, like, uh-huh. When on, in his schedule book like that, this was recorded, or but mm-hmm. he, but he, I couldn't really see that he did that. And well, I took a quick look, but I'll have to look yeah. again and see. Um, okay, so that's good to know. So um, let's talk a little bit about your new album, um, Charlie and Paul. For um, is it Nouvelle? Is that how you say it? Nouvelle Records. Right. Yeah. Nouvelle. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting outfit. Outfit. I looked at their website and. Um, it's a subscription. People make a subscription and then they get a new album every two months. And yeah. they're exclusive recordings done for that label, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to condense the explanation <laughs> along with the story of how the record came about. But um, uh, so, yeah, it's a subscription series and they do vinyl only. And what whoever is the band leader... Um, is the the agreement is that um, you allow them to release their they only just they release the record as vinyl only no digital no CDs no downloads or anything and then they make it part of the subscription series after a couple of years they hand over the masters to the band leader and then the band leader can do whatever they want if they want to re-release it as a digital um, you know, release, then they can do that. So I had done a couple of records for them as a sideman. The first one was with Ben Al- was with Ben Allison and Ted Nash, music of Jim Hall and Jimmy Jufri. Then the next year, I, John Coward, the pianist that plays in Brian Blade's Fellowship, um, had uh, was, did a new did a record with them, and that was me and Tony Shear and and Brian Blade played drums. So. After that, like, so that, that was done in two... Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to try to figure out exactly what year. So Elon Mailer is the, is the main producer who's at the, at the recording sessions, and he, he sounded me out at, and even at the end of John's Coward session, just saying, boy, I'd like to get you in here to do your own project. Great, just let me know. So 
like about six months later, he got in, hold, got in contact and he said, would really like to do a project, and if you don't mind me suggesting, how would you feel about recording the music of Paul Motion and Charlie Hayden? And, of course, I wrote back and said, as ideas go, that's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it, as I was very excited to do that. It's not necessarily something I would have thought of to do, but maybe down the road more. Uh-huh. Um, Charlie and Paul haven't been gone that long, you know, and and for whatever reason, maybe I was just feeling like it was too soon. But I think I had that sort of in the back of my mind for later on. Yeah. But since since Elon was was suggesting it, it just seemed like why not? Was, you know, so we started talking about musicians, and he meant he started just he kind of had certain people in mind, but it, they were. And I think he knew, you know, they were people that played with Charlie or both Charlie and Paul and, and musicians that I'd played with a lot as a result. Which, so the players on the record, Lauren Stillman on alto, Thomas Morgan on bass, and Matt Wilson on drums. And even though we hadn't played as a quartet, um, I, I knew that we would it would probably feel great and sound like a band just because we had played so much together with not only Charlie and Paul, but in some other situations. So, And I, my assumptions were right. <laughs> it felt really great. and it was, I'm really happy with how that record turned out. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful-sounding album. And, and the package of it, the album cover and the album itself is... Yeah, it's really high quality and nice. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> they, do, they do really great yeah. work, really take a lot of care in how they put all that together yeah so um i have queued up tangram um a palmodian cut from the album and um and it's a tune that paul never recorded and so uh we'll talk about that more after we play it so um here's tangram
Okay, that was a cut from Steve Cardenas's album, Charlie and Paul, um, which is only available through um, Nouvelle Records subscription this year, but um, keep your ears out because in a couple of years, uh, Steve will be able to release it um, himself. So it's really great, all the music of Charlie Hayden and Paul Modian. Um, Steve, did you want to talk about how you chose the tunes for that? Yeah, we we had a couple of uh, rehearsals before we recorded, but Th Thomas, actually Thomas was on the road, so he couldn't make those. But um, the first rehearsal specifically was was to just kind of decide what we wanted to play, and you know, from working on the books with with you and Bill. Um, I had all of Paul's charts, so that was lucky me, you know. <laughs> and but with Charlie's, even though I, I played in Liberation Music Orchestra for a long time, those tunes, you know, with that band, it was a it was a twelve piece group. So it's, you know, each part. I mean, we were playing parts. We didn't have lead sheets, so I didn't have a complete, you know. Uh, piece of music with the melody and the chords and you know all the information so i thought you know i thought well maybe i can contact ruth but then i just started listening to to charlie's tunes and and thought you know i'm just going to trans see how far i get with transcribing some of this stuff and it it felt i felt like i was getting things down pretty well and and so we played him at rehearsal and I had more than I needed uh, of both Charlie and Paul's music, and uh, and what it, you know, with it's just like a lot of you know, when before you're recording, you play through stuff, and it becomes reasonably evident maybe which tunes feel the best or what what you know becomes apparent which ones to record. But with Paul's, what we started feeling pretty quickly was the the tunes um, that he hadn't recorded himself felt particularly intriguing, and maybe that was just because we didn't have any other recording, you know, that we were referencing in our minds that you know another version that that was not that that would have stopped us because we did actually record you know uh, a few tunes that he had recorded before. But we did three that he hadn't, and those were Tangram, Prairie Avenue Cowboy, and Riffraff. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool, and felt like we could kind of do our, just kind of do our thing with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's what I hoped people would do with um, yeah. those unrecorded cuts. Um, some of which were really new that. Um, yeah, I don't know if he, a couple of those he may never have even got to play with a band at all. Um, but well, I you have some, you he have did, some tapes. Yeah, you have yeah. some rehearsals. So, like, because there's yeah. that funny version of Prairie Avenue Cowboy where Paul's cracking up. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, he did, I think he wrote that for Bill. Yeah, and his <laughs> cowboy guitar yeah, playing. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, but, uh, you know, it was Matt Wilson's idea to kind of, because I, I told, when we, before, I remember when we, uh, we're kind of, we're get kind of running it, looking at it, and playing through it a little. And and Matt said, "Why don't we play this instead of as an up tempo 
kind of country tune. Why don't we play it more like a country ballad? And it just seemed, it just, it, the moment we tried it was like, yeah, this is definitely it, you know. For Prairie Avenue Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, I have that, I queued that up for, um, maybe we should play that and then we'll come back yeah. to uh, what we talked yeah. about before. Sure. So. Okay, so this is uh, Prairie Avenue Cowboy. Prairie Avenue Cowboy 
started a little bit there uh, with the next tune, but um, before that it was Tangram, a Palmodian tune that um, never went on an official recording of Paul's, but um, I did have some um, rehearsal tapes from it. Um, Steve, do you want to say anything about that tune? Anything more about, about, about Tangram? Oh, about ten, because we just listened to Prairie Avenue Cowboy. Oh, I meant Prairie, yeah, yeah that's what I meant, no. sorry. Oh, okay. Um, that, I played acoustic steel string on that, and I think there's, I know on the on the vinyl record, there's two tunes where I'm playing steel string, one of Paul's tunes and one of Charlie's, uh, for Taria, Charlie's tune for Taria. But there's a, you know, there's two other tunes that are on the vinyl that, you know, when I, I would, I really want to release it after a couple of years digitally, so I'll include those tunes. Oh, what? And, it, what? It, and, and the other and what one, ones are one, those? For the love of Sarah, uh-huh. Paul's tune, and then uh, another Charlie's tunes called "There in a Dream," which I played acoustic on. So I wanted to, I really had it in mind to do it. You know, just a few tunes on acoustic for not just because I love that sound and I, I thought these tunes would sound great, but both, um, both Paul and Charlie loved acoustic guitar. That's, they, you know, they've, I've heard them both say it. I've read them talking about it. Um, and, uh, so I just, that was just part of kind of honoring their thing, you know, also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to um, maybe say something about how you started playing with Paul, and then you started playing with Charlie? And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Paul, I was I was um, in 1997. I was playing a lot on the road with Madeline Peru. Do you know of her uh, singer? Um, no, I don't. She, she at the time she w- she had just had a record come out and she was being uh she kind of made a, a bit of a splash at the time because she sounded a lot like billy holiday at, at least that was all the press buzz and everything and she did have those qualities although i felt like they were they were kind of working that angle a little too hard because i felt like she had her own sound as well but anyway um so i was on the road and with her and it was summer and I, I remember without getting into too much of a backstory, Paul had called me for a one off at the knitting factory the previous year, but I was out of town and I couldn't do it and I felt really bad about it. And and I thought, well, that was probably my only shot. Um uh, he'll probably never call back, you know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um my roommate at the time, I, I was going on the road, and I just told, I left my itinerary, you know, this is before cell phones, and <laughs> so I left my itinerary just 
you know, with all where we were going to be on the road, and I just said, hey, you know, if anybody calls for a gig, just, you know, let me know who it was, or you can give them any information you want, just because I, I don't want to miss, because I was starting to feel like I really need to make sure I don't miss out on things just because I'm gone for a while. Anyway, um, so... I was in. I remember I was in Norway, and we were we had a day off, and I got back to the hotel after going for this walk with the bass player Don Falzone, and and we went up to the desk, and desk handed me a note said you got a call. Um, oh, okay, and then it said Paul Motion. <laughs> I said Paul Paul Motion tracked me down here, <laughs> and I put it together. Oh yeah, my roommate must have given him my number. That's crazy that he called, you know. So. I, you know, waited because I knew the well, six-hour time change. So I waited till the evening, give him a call, and he picked up, and he just uh, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I, I just wanted to see if you could do this tour in the fall of '97." Which I thought, you know, wow, he's never even heard me play, and he's just asking me. But you know, that really was the way Paul. He just went on recommendations, and and I. Yeah. He trusted that because I I don't think it ever really it, it it never worked against him. You know, he he always felt like it was a pretty solid thing to do. So yeah, and, and I think I, he was mellow about it. Like if it didn't yeah. work out, he just like didn't play with that person again. Or right, you know? yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think he thought of it as a big gamble. You yeah, know, that kind of thing. And um, so I just he said, can you you know can you let me know if he, I I just said you know I'm I'm free. <laughs> I knew I was free, but I also knew that Madeline's manager might have some work for the fall, but I didn't care because Paul was exactly what I wanted to be doing, you know, uh -huh. playing that music, playing with him, the, the people in the band, all of that, you know. So, um, and then it turned out that, you know, a, about a month later, Madeline's manager <laughs> said, well, we've got, it was crazy. He said, we've got a three-month tour where we're, you know, going to be the warm-up band for Sarah McLaughlin, and, and I said, okay, I said, I can do everything but these three weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, well, you could probably have to do all of it or none of it, and I said, okay, great, I'll, I can help you find somebody, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to give up playing with Paul, I, don't, I didn't care what the stakes were. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to go to a cut to take us to the top of the hour. Just cause of, okay. Um, so this is year two, New Moon from Europe, um, and right. you said this is the first time you recorded it. Um, right. And then we'll play the um, the tune, the same tune from one of your own albums after the top of the hour. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
Welcome back to the second hour of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. And today's show um, features Steve Cardenas, and I'm, we're speaking with him by phone in New York. And we're hearing cuts from his new album, Charlie and Paul, as well as some recordings he did with Paul Modian and some of his own uh, CDs as well. 
And I want to thank my partner, the Camden Conference, and also the Dowling Walsh Gallery for helping to bring the show on the air here at WRFR Community Radio Low Power, Rockland, Maine. Um, so, Steve, um, yeah, we always start talking about stuff off air that's really interesting, and <laughs> we want to try to save the good stuff for the air. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we just played New Moon um, from Europe, and that's the first time you recorded it. So, do you want to talk a little bit about how that came about? About because that had Paul recorded anyone else's music from the band on previous Electric yeah. Bebop band albums? Yeah, he yeah. had. He he did. Um, there was a tune of Wolfgang's that he recorded. I think he. There were a couple of tunes of Kurt Rosenwinkel's that he recorded, and I think that was it and maybe that might have been something that was on my mind because we had that tour coming up in the summer of 2000 and I knew we were going to record like in this case near the beginning of the tour so only after a couple of gigs and that month kind of leading up to it I thought gee I wouldn't mind it'd be nice if a tune kind of happened <laughs> I thought oh, maybe I'll try to write a tune and see if Paul likes it, you know, no expectations. And this tune just kind of came out. It it just happened, you know. One of, one of the times I didn't labor over it too much. And, and I brought it to, I remember the first sound check often on a tour is where we're kind of trying out a lot of the material that we're going to play on the tour because the band didn't, well, there was a couple people in the band that lived in Europe, so it wasn't like we could rehearse um, beforehand so much and uh, uh, Pietro Tonolo had brought, brought a couple of Herbie Nichols things and Paul brought some more of his tunes you know we, we were just and I brought some Monk tunes and, and then I brought this and it didn't have a title at the time and I remember we played it at the first sound check and Paul was yeah I like that I like you know nice I kind of thought of it it has sort of a Bill Evans sounds sort of like Glorious Step or Time Remember like it's coming from that zone or something uh -huh. so we and then paul said yeah i'd like to record it and i thought great i'm happy to do it and he's actually the one who titled it because, <laughs> because after we had recorded we mixed the record the next day and um he's you know right the engineer says well what do you call it and i said i don't have a title yet and paul just kind of stood up and goes new moon <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and i said there it is. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, so no, now everyone, people always sort of, um, I know I, they put thought into how musicians, why musicians name certain songs certain ways. And, <laughs> uh -huh. and then when you hear the truth, it, it's always pretty random. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, Cheek, I remember Cheek saying, why don't you just call it Dublin? Because we had a nice time in Dublin. On It was the first gig of the tour. And, I thought, yeah, maybe, and then Finn Paul just goes, New Moon, and I said, I like it. <laughs> 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 so it stuck. And um, so that's the, fir the version on Europe is the, the first time it was recorded, and then, oh, gosh, 12 years later, I think, when I did Melody in a Dream with Joey and Thomas, I wanted to revisit, because I'd been playing the tune on my with my own trio all that time anyway, and I just wanted to do a trio version. Yeah. Um, revisited. Okay. 
So yeah, um, before the top of the hour, we heard New Moon um, with the Electric Bebop Band, and then mm -hmm. now we'll hear it as a trio from Melody in the Dream. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Sorry about that. I forgot to hang up the phone. Um, so that was Steve Card, and this is album. Can you say something, Steve? Oh, that oh that was Melody in a Dream. That was New Moon from the Melody in a Dream version, and uh, so that was you know just a, a re another take on it from later on um, with Joey Barron on drums and Thomas Morgan on bass. Yeah, and so um, now we're going to talk a little bit about Charlie Hayden, um, great friend of Paul Modian. And uh, why don't you talk about how you uh, met Charlie? Well, Steve. I was, I had, there's a great guitar player in Los Angeles, Larry Koontz, who teaches at Cal Arts, which is the, Charlie had started the jazz program there in the, like in 80, maybe 90, I can't remember, it was early 80s, 80 or 82 or something like that. And um, so Larry, Larry, he wanted to go on sabbatical. He just sounded me out and said, hey, do you want to come out here in the spring semester? This is 2003, 2003, yeah. And, um, and just do a semester out here while I go on sabbatical. And I, I kind of worked out the logistics and, and did it, and it was, it was really fun to do and just great to get away from what ended up being a pretty harsh New York winter. <laughs> so, so this is Los Angeles area, but in the north part, Valencia. So up what they call near the grapevine in that area, uh -huh. where it starts to become mountains and things. And um, that's where CalArts is located. So about mid-semester, it was March, and I had a message on my phone. Yeah, yeah I never... I didn't. I didn't have a cell at that time, but you know, just went in voicemail, and it was Charlie, and he just was saying, "Hi, Steve. This is Charlie Hayden. I uh, have a concert where I'm supposed to play solo up at the school, just like a, a half an hour for administrators and trustees. But I'd sure like to do it. Duo. Would you be interested in doing it?" Um, and I'm thinking, "Wow. Uh, yeah, Charlie Hayden asked me if I want to play duo with him." <laughs> <laughs> Gee, let me think about that. Uh, you know, but so I, of course, called him back and said I would love to do that, and and that was my first time playing with Charlie and me, really meeting him. And but um, the first first thought that kind of came to my mind was I wonder how, I mean, wonder how he got my number and and then what, how did he trust? Again, how did he, you know, never played with me. Maybe I probably didn't even, hadn't heard me play. And so I just kind of surmised, I said, he must have had a conversation with Paul, and Paul probably brought up the fact, oh, yeah, Steve's my guy, one of my guys in my band's out there teaching at your school. And so, but I never, I never thought to ask either one of them, you know, so I don't really know, <laughs> and maybe it doesn't matter. But um, that's that was kind of like in a way, and because I ended up playing in Liberation Music Orchestra the next year, and um, I maybe because of that gig, Charlie then you know thought of me and said, hey, maybe maybe this guy's good for the band. Yeah. So again, mm -hmm. I never asked. 
So I get too shy about asking those questions because maybe I don't want to hear the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I randomly looked you up in the phone book. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Your name came up under guitar. <laughs> Um, so I've queued up Pocket Full of Cherry, uh, Charlie yeah. Hayden tune from the um, Charlie and Paul Charlie. album. So um, we'll play that this next. Tune, yeah, this tune, I'll just quickly do a pre on this one. Um, okay. So this is from a Keith Jarrett record that, uh, you know, Keith recorded a record where he did several of Paul's tunes, and he also did a record where he did several, a few of Charlie's tunes and Dewey's tunes. Mm -hmm. So this is from that quartet. So and the record's called Bop B. Okay. And and uh, so Keith was playing soprano on this. It's very ornettish, very much like an ornette kind of tune. And um, Charlie is known for writing these beautiful ballads. And when we were doing this project, I wanted to find at least a couple of his tunes that were a little more up and had a, a different quality to them. You know, I didn't want it to be just a record of Charlie's ballads and Paul's other, you know, I wanted to kind of find qualities from both of those guys yeah. that reached into the other's kind of way of writing, you know, yeah. which I felt like I, it, we did, and we got to those tunes. But anyway, um, so this is Pocket Full of Cherry. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, we're back. Um, you just heard a Charlie Hayden tune, Pocket Full of Cherry, from Steve Cardenas's uh, newest album called Charlie and Paul. All tunes of Charlie Hayden and Paul Modian for uh, Nouvelle Records. Um, yeah, so Steve, what else were we going to talk about? <laughs> uh, the books. The, the song books, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't... I think I told you. You know the story of why I asked you to help me, don't you? <laughs> I think so. It was, it's it was kind a of a dream, crazy. Right? Yeah, it was a dream, and <laughs> and in the dream, um, the Paul's sister, so my aunt, um, spoke to me in this dream through this like well, and and she's she passed away a long time ago, and um, and she was and she told me that. Paul told her to tell me to ask Steve for help with the songbook. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and I woke up and I was like, boy, that was really weird. <laughs> That's 
pretty weird. Yeah, you might. That could have been a thing. Like maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and then but then I, you know, I had met you at um, the Vanguard for Paul's right. memorial, and you had said, if you need any help with anything, I really want to help, and um, you know, I'll do it for free, and I won't, you know, I just want to do what I can, and um, and well, so I, I also, thought about it, and, <laughs> and you also, I also knew that, that that I mean, I even though we had just met, I somehow just knew that that you would want to do it the way that me and few other musicians that played with Paul thought would be the best, which was to just present his charts, you know, the way he wrote them out. Yeah, and, in his so handwriting. Yeah, Kind of getting that feeling from you, that's what made it, I just wanted to say, you know, I, I would be happy to be a part of this if you need any help, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, yeah. And so, yeah, and so... Um, I asked, and you said yes, and, and at yeah, first I was like, I'm never going to tell anybody why I asked him, but <laughs> now it's looking back, it seems funny. <laughs> now there's no going back, cause it's just been broadcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but you have a, uh, yeah, you're very organized, and you, <laughs> well, you know I the mean, music I, here. I had yeah. the luxury before of working on the Thelonious Monk fake book, which is a Hal Leonard book. Um, yeah. That's all of Monk's tunes, and and that was with Don Sickler, the editor, and and uh, publisher and arranger and trumpet player and all that. But Don and I worked on that together, and and so I knew that actually actually the thing about working with with Paul's is that I knew the charts already existed. So it was really more of I think you not being a musician, you just I think you just you know obviously needed somebody to say because you would you would have more than one chart to a tune and then i could say well this one lines up with the recording from this record or you know that that's that was the easy part for me actually it was yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean not not to say that it didn't require some some investigation sometimes because like in the case of say trieste paul's tune you gave i remember you sent me I had one one of those charts, and you sent me the other one, and I went, wow, this is really different. And then I thought, wait a minute. He recorded this with Keith, and I haven't heard that version in a while. And I listened to it, and that was the version that lined up with one, that particular chart that you had sent. But then the other chart lined up with, he had changed some things on it, and then he re-recorded it. can't remember which record exactly off the top of my head, but... It was one of the quintet records, I think, and so for whatever whatever reason, you know, who knows why? What you know, Monk changed some little things in some of his tunes too. Maybe just over time, the music is fluid. You know, the what's on the chart is it's not stone; it's paper. <laughs> so you know, jazz musicians are improvisers, and it only kind of stands to reason that the composition itself would would change. Yeah, things change, yeah. change over time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So um, I have queued up Mesmer from Garden of Eden. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything about recording that album or th this particular tune on it? That, that record was, um, you know, that was Paul, Paul getting back with ECM. And he... he didn't want to call it the Electric Bebop Band because that was that was a 
the band, that particular band, recorded for Winter and Winter, got started with Winter and Winter, and was kind of a, that was the idea, you know, when that band came out, it was recording for Winter and Winter. So he just, he called the Paul Motion Band, even though it was really the same format, two guitars, two saxophones, bass, and drums. But we recorded in New York this time, and the band at that time, the New York version, because they're sometimes touring, and when we play in New York, it'd be a s certain people, and then sometimes touring logistically would be other people. But it was uh, Tony Malaby and Chris Cheek, and me and Ben Maunder, and Jerome Harris and, on bass. And so, but Ben Maunder couldn't make the second day of recording, and Jakob Bro had, you know, he had done a tour, a couple of tours with us, and um, he was, I can't remember if he was going to be in New York or, or in, anyway, Paul had talked to him and, and lined him up to do the second day of recording. Great. Uh -huh. So now we, we have, but then I remember, I do remember this, Paul calling, telling me that, but then calling me a couple days later and said, hey, what do you think about having Jakob come the first day and we do three guitars? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, that, that would be fine. You know, I mean, it, it, we, we haven't done it, but I just knowing, you know, Ben and Jakob being such great musicians, I didn't see any problems. <laughs> Because, you know, with too many guitars, there can be problems. <laughs> well, he, I don't know. I mean, you know, Paul's notebooks are pretty, con, you know, concise. But I just sense uh, a lot of excitement when he wrote in there, I'm going to have three guitars. Yeah, <laughs> it was a cool. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of the perfect way to, to d introduce that idea in the studio because the studio, sometimes people think, oh, you got to have everything perfect. Sometimes it's going to... The studio is also perfect for experimentation, and and especially with somebody like Paul. And it and it was great. It felt really, you know, fresh and and like we were trying things we might not have ordinarily done. There was a lot of tech sound texture, you know, between the three of us. So so half of the record is is the three of us, and then the, and the other half is just me and Jakob because Ben wasn't there the second day of recording. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So is this tune Mesmer with all three of you? I don't think mm -hmm. so. Just the two? I don't okay. Think so. Okay, um, yeah. so um, this is Mesmer.
Okay, um, we're back, and that was Mesmer from Paul Modian's album um, Garden of Eden, which is on ECM Records. And um, you, you were just talking about the way that's played and the way you played the tune Asia from the Charlie and Paul album. Steve, do you want right. to tell people about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, on, I remember when we recorded Mesmer, and, and this wasn't the first time or, or only time Paul would, do, would suggest this particular idea, which was he had Chris Cheek playing the... I mean, we all played the melody to Mesmer, but then... He had he told, you know had Chris Cheek just play the melody constant through the tune while we would all any one of us would be breaking away from it and improvising some you know based off of that the melody so when we did Asia I kind of I, I kind of thought man this would be a good tune to kind of use that same kind of approach that Paul would would suggest which is keep the melody going through the tune no matter if there's a solo you know so when lauren and i solo on this the you know whoever's not soloing is still kind of playing the melody in the background so monk would do that a lot with his music actually uh-huh yeah yeah so it's yeah it kind of goes down the generations uh -huh. the, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. the influences yeah definitely yeah um and um, so next I have um, Asia queued up. Um, so Paul played this with his first trio, right, I think, with... With Charles Brackeen and... And, and Isenson, isn't... Or David Eisenson, yeah. David Eisenson, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so um, why don't we play that, and then we'll come back and um, we'll talk a little more before we uh, have to wrap things up. So this is Asia. Thank you. 
Okay, um, we're back. Sorry for the noise, background noise, but I have to have the window open. It's really hot in here. <laughs> Somebody's out there doing home construction. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're in, I don't, yeah, the, the radio station um, is in a residential neighborhood. It's in a converted garage, so... Yeah, it's it's not <laughs> where you. Not where you that's not the next track. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's not where you would think it is. So, <laughs> um, okay. So um, maybe I will just. I'm going to shut the window. <laughs> Steve, Steve uh, start talking a little about the new school. Okay. Okay. Um, I've been at the. I've been teaching at the new school for a while now. Um, this, I, it started with individual lessons, private lessons, but starting 2007, I, I, I uh, took over with the Thelonious Monk Ensemble, which was a spring semester only ensemble. And then, then through, you know, next several years, I acquired a guitar duos class and, um, an improv ensemble. And so, uh yeah i love teaching there it's it's a great faculty and students are great and just it, they i feel like it's a very open environment uh, and i've even had a paul motion ensemble with one of the improv ensembles they wanted to focus on paul's music that was a couple of semesters back which was really fun of course and there is an event coming up, actually, that's in conjunction with the Charlie Parker Festival at the end of August, and that will be August 23rd at the New School. And it's Michael Kelly, who's the filmmaker for Motion in Motion, is going to do uh, be part of a talk about Paul Motion. He's going to show a trailer for the film. I'll be there doing some talking. Frank Kimbrough will be there, and then... Frank and I and Ben Allison will play some of Paul's music. And one, that's August 23rd. I think it's 530. It's a Thursday. So do <laughs> people have to get tickets for that, Steve? Or? I don't, I don't think, I think they can just show, show up, up but, but don't quote me on that. Maybe just do a little online. If somebody's interested in going, just do a little online research and, and see what they can find out. Yeah, maybe I can maybe I can make a link to it if I'll find yeah. it. Yeah. And then there is going to be a, a record release for the Charlie and Paul record, which is November 7th at Smalls, which will be Lauren Stillman and Matt Wilson. Thomas will be on the road, but Steve Swallow is going to play bass. So we'll be uh -huh. playing that all of these tunes that night. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and Steve played a lot with, yeah. uh, with Paul, Steve Swallow. Yeah. yeah, he's on several. He's on a couple of the Be Electric Bebop band records, and, and, and that, those guys just played a lot over the years. Anyway, he's one of the um, people with bird names. He was. <laughs> I remember yeah. Paul was just. I don't know. He just like went on this rant about how a lot of people he played with their last names were birds, and that was such <laughs> a coincidence. You know, like peacock and swallow, and <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah. Wow, wow. I never even thought of it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> bass players. If you want a good bass player, get somebody with a last name that's a bird. Yeah. <laughs> that's Paul was Paul's philosophy. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, what else can we... I think we should just play one more tune at the end. And yeah. Let's, so, what else do we need to talk about that we forgot? Um, so, what do you have coming up for concerts? Or You said you're going to Europe soon? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I'm just uh, doing a few gigs duo with a pianist, John Coward. We're, we've got a, a few gigs in Switzerland, and then, and you know, I'm speaking of drummers that lead bands. I'm in Adam Nussbaum's band. That's called Adam Nussbaum's Lead Belly Project. We play the music of Lead Belly. Oh. Had a rec record come out earlier this year, and that's another two guitar band led by a drummer. <laughs> uh huh. That's Nate Radley is the other guitarist, and Ohad Talmore is the tenor player. There's no bass, actually. And um, we're, we have a Europe uh, tour in October, first part of October. Yeah. Yeah. And, are, band. and are you playing anywhere in New York coming well, up? Or? Uh, Not, nothing, nothing really soon. Just, yeah, there's um, something in Brooklyn. My, my trio is playing in Brooklyn September 22nd. I just did a trio gig a week ago um but yeah the, I, just off the top of my head yeah i have a website <laughs> there's a like the schedule page is pretty pretty well updated okay but, yeah, yeah i'll yeah. I'll put a link hard to that music. too and yeah. i guess I, I i'll ask you all i don't know this maybe this is a hard question maybe it mm -hmm. isn't but so after working with all of paul's tunes and seeing all those different versions and like, what would you say was, like, the main thing that you learned or the biggest sort of surprise that you saw there in that music? You mean, you mean from, from working, working on the, the tunes when we were putting the books together? Yeah, because you really, yeah. I mean, you really examined all, all of mm -hmm. his work. And, um, yeah, well, so what, what's well, your takeaway from it? Do you, did you I will, have anything I'll specific? I'll answer that. I'm going to answer that also kind of because I have to go back from when I first started playing Paul's tunes with him, you know, because that's, that was probably when the first revelations happened, which were, they just seemed um, so different from a lot of things I'd played before. Uh, the way he would put chords together, I would I would look at just looking at it on paper sometimes I'd think, Wow, how's that gonna sound? you know? And they would sound incredible. <laughs> and and the melodies always like he had a way of writing he would really there was many aspects of his writing that almost followed a classical way of thinking, just like really utilizing motivic certain motives and the development of that melodic or rhythmic idea throughout the tune but then some of these some of his tunes would have these almost like like i said to you like mesmer almost sounded like a melody from the alps or <laughs> like a folk melody you know yeah he had, yeah he had a lot of tunes like that asia's like that too you know maybe actually he was thinking it sounded like an asian type of melody yeah maybe why he called it that but at any rate any but but he just had this range too, you know. He he could write things that were very dense and and powerful and up, you know, right in your face, and then some things that were just absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, you know. He had an incredible range with his writing, and so then, you know, 
fast forward to when we were working on the books and then you know even though i was familiar with you know some of the trio records with bill and joe and some of the quintet i hadn't listened to everything i you know i hadn't listened to everything front to back and especially in depth so the revelations were were just just like looking at what paul wrote and then hearing how, what how the musicians took that and what they did with it was, it was inspiring to say the least <laughs> put it that way and you know again it goes back to what i said earlier how paul just really brought that through his playing he brought he would bring out that quality in whoever was playing with him it just naturally would go there you you he, he made everything feel so comfortable and so obvious in a way, like, yeah, this is what we do. This is what we're supposed to do. This this tune does this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we went we went over the time for the... <laughs> okay, to, to play, sorry. To play Midnight. Oh, it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's an improvised show, so... I rambled. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, though. <laughs> um... So I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I feel like oh. I don't know. I feel like there was there's more we could talk about, and um, there's always so more. you'll have to come back on another I time. I will. Thanks and, for having me, Cindy. It's, I was really looking forward to it, and it's really fun. Oh, good, good. It's really fun. Um, so let's see what we should play. We need like a five minute song now. Balata, hit <laughs> that. Yeah, um, I've got that queued up. Yeah, why don't we do that? It's a we might end like a minute early or something. That's okay. Um, okay, so this is a, a tune that you wrote. Do you want to say anything about it before yeah. I play it? And it's a tune. It was a tune that I wrote when I was about 21 and just kind of stashed it away. I remember at the time when I wrote it, I thought it had kind of an Ornette-ish or almost kind of Keith Jarrett-ish quality. And when we, were, it was the same thing when we were getting ready to do Garden of Eden. I, I just ran across it and thought. I still kind of like this. Maybe Paul will like it, and we tried it, and he he wanted to do it. So lucky me. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So this is um, from the Garden of Eden album. Take us to the top of the hour and the end of the show. Um, Balata, and thank you again, Steve. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you. 